afternoon folks i am here today with my wonderful co-host james and we have nasarina here from the ruth Ellis center and we wanted to kind of talk about like the ruth Ellis center because in the state of michigan there's approximately twenty thousand amish people which means that if 10 percent of those people are lgbtq that would be about two thousand people so we wanted to talk about some resources and on that i'm going to turn it over to james Hello, happy Pride, everyone. Nazarena, thank you so much for being so gracious as to join us. Um, of course. I am here with you, um, well, not physically with you, but near you in Highland Park, Michigan. Oh, and wonderful. Here we, we, are in the we are in the footsteps and the spirit of a wonderful woman named Ruth Ellis, who you will learn about. Yes. Um, we want everyone to know that we are here to celebrate you. You know, you are not alone. You are loved and you have resources such as uh, the Ruth Ellis Center. Yeah. And I, and I found this uh, copy uh, on, on the Ruth Ellis Center uh, website. And I wanted to, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, recite this for everyone, which is the Ruth Ellis Center is named in honor of the life and work of Ruth Ellis, who was respected and loved for her longevity and endurance as one of Detroit's oldest and proudest African-American lesbians. Yep. And for her many years, her many years of service to all people in need. Ruth was born in 1899 and came out as a lesbian in 1915. In the 1930s, Ruth provided shelter, physical support and spiritual affirmation to those whose race sexual orientation, or both, set them apart from the dominant culture. Ruth lived to the age of 101, seeing the center come into being prior to her passing in 2000. Yep. The work at the Ruth Ellis Center is built upon her model of responsibility to oneself and one's community. And, you know, with that, let me just say that one more time. The work is built upon her model of responsibility to oneself and one's community. So please, Nazarena, the floor is yours. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So hi, everybody. My name is Nazarena Makasege Manaya. I'm the Senior Development Associate over at the Ruth Ellis Center. And I'm super excited to be here to share with you just a little bit about Ruth, a little bit about the Ruth Ellis Center, and answer any questions that may come our way. And I will answer them to the best of my ability. Um, so just, you know, a short bit about Ruth and then sort of the origins about this uh, of the center. Um, you know, born in 1899, came 
came out in 1915, which means she was 16 years old. Um, thankfully, she was fortunate to have a family that was sort of very accepting and already sort of knew where she was in terms of her, you know, sexual orientation. And so she never had to, you know, go through what so many young LGBTQ people go through and actually what so many don't feel comfortable doing, which is she never had to really come out. Um, I, yeah. I have a question. So yes, like, please share. she came out in 1916 at the age of like 1915. Yeah, so 1915 and she was 1915, 16 years old. And she's mm -hmm. 16 years old. Like, yep. can, can we just talk about that for a minute? Like can we talk how about significant it? that is in, in a historical Huge. moment. Like not Amazing. only did her family accept her. Yes. And they kind yeah. of knew that already. Yep. Mm -hmm. They accepted her. They supported her. They were yep. there for her and they yep. loved her as for, for the person that she was versus yep. rather than the person they wanted may have wanted her to be. Yeah. I mean, it is huge. And, and some people you hear it and you're like, oh, bah, 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 and then you like slow down and you're like, wait. <laughs> no, no. Like wait. that was that was way ahead of the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's who she was. She was way ahead of her time because then, okay, so she was born over in Springfield, Illinois. She came over to Michigan in the 1930s, um, you know, did an apprenticeship with a printing company and then opened her own business from her home after she bought a house using what she had earned during that apprenticeship. <laughs> she bought a house. This is a black woman, a lesbian with no man. <laughs> you I know mean, what I mean? Kind of the point when you're a lesbian, there's no right. man. Right. Right. And kind bought a home. Exactly. And bought a home and ran a business out of that home. And that home she used as a place of respite for people, like James was saying, for people who were marginalized because of their African-American identity or because of their LGBTQ identity or because of that intersection. You know, she was helping people through school. She was helping people find jobs. She was she was a place where LGBTQ people could have, you know, like could have fun and just hang out and just be their authentic selves in her home with the partner that she had. I think for for quite some time she was with her partner for some years um, before they parted ways. But um, just an incredible human being to be um, a business owner, an independent business owner as a woman and a black woman and a lesbian. There's just like so many incredible layers um, she to this even, human. She couldn't even vote when she came out. Like okay. Yeah. But, like you want to yeah. talk about how significant this is? Like yeah. women couldn't even vote back then. Right, 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 right. Like, right. like, like that was massive. Right. Right, right, right. And then with all the other identities, there was definitely yep. a lot stacked against her, just given the times and somehow, some way. And of course, right, of course, you know, in 1999, like someone would have to open a center in the name of this wonderful human being, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, you want to honor such a, an incredibly powerful legacy. And so um, the Ruth Ellis Center story begins in 1999. There was a young boy in Detroit who had recently come out to his family um, and he was violently rejected. 
And um, he was able to find himself in the arms of some incredible LGBTQ elders who were certain that this child, must, there has to be resources. This is a child who's homeless on the street because of this awful thing that happened. Um, and there were no resources. And Can they I were just in such like amazement. They're like, what do we do? And that's really how like the center came to be. That's amazing. Because, yeah, because of this yeah. young person who was in need of services. So just like, that's you know, amazing. the young people who are probably looking at the podcast right now and like, wow, yes. like, you know. Can, like, I, can I ask you something? Yeah, can you can you define what you're what you're meaning when you talk about um, the person being violently rejected from the family, um, like homeless, like kicked out, like that? Yes, type of yes, yes. So this was something you know he shared with his family that he considered himself gay, um, and was forced out into the street, and became homeless as a result of having shared this with his family. I wish I had, well, I mean, you know, specifics. I do not have specifics on that story, but that is the understanding that he did become homeless after sharing with his family that he identified as gay. See, and I'm asking that because there are things that people can encounter that they might understand like, okay, he became homeless and he didn't mm -hmm. have anywhere to live and he mm -hmm. didn't have access to like food, shelter and water and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The necessary and, things yes. for every human being. Yep. Basic, basic human rights that you need mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. But how wonderful is it that the Rusella center came about? Yeah. Yeah. A group of elders got together, you know, um, obviously, you know, like what can we do to support this young person in our community? And that's really what brought on the center, which in its origins was very much about, and is still to this day, um, our bread and butter um, is providing, you know, shelter for LGBTQ young people. Um, we actually have an incredible project that's due to be done, I believe, sometime next year. It's a permanent supportive housing project, and its emphasis will be LGBTQ young people who are in need of permanent housing. So it's going to have a primary health care center. There's also um, a food service space where you can not only just eat, but you can learn as well, um, as well as a beauty bar. And that's going to be over on 61 Claremont in Detroit. That is fantastic. Oh, the, the Amish are going to love the beauty bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got mean, some come on, James. <laughs> just, because, just because some of us are a little bit impaired when it comes to putting on makeup, as you can see, clearly right. I'm not wearing right. any. Um, but anyways. Nothing's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> nothing. There's no. There's nothing here. Just because some of us are a little bit impaired when it comes to putting on makeup, I mean, like, doesn't mean we couldn't benefit from having a beauty bar available. Come oh, on. absolutely. And we've got some young people who are incredibly talented when it comes to to makeup and all things fashion. So I'm excited to see that community come together. But that's just one of the many resources uh, that's sort of coming up. It's literally like the steel beams are up right now. Yes. So that's so amazing though. Up. Yeah, we're very excited. I love that. And then the mm -hmm. housing project, like that's a pretty incredible project as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially yeah. when you include like the ability to learn how to make food and mm -hmm. you know, do basic like tasks. Cause did you yeah. know that in our um 
old order Amish communities, Mm -hmm. there's sometimes there are boys who will leave and they won't know how to wash their own laundry or how to cook food because that may not be a task that they were allowed to do. Like that didn't fall within their gender roles. Oh, wow. Okay. Or even like how to clean their house or stuff like that. So I think it's incredibly amazing that you have that, like, that's yeah. Well, yeah. it was something that our young people identified as like, you know, these are skills that, you know, we want to learn because, you know, and in any case, if you find yourself, um, you know, sort of ready to transition from that environment, you've got some hard skills that will not only help you in your professional life as you're sort of growing your career, but can also very much help you in your personal life. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what so other things does the Ruth Ellis Center do? Yeah, yes. I was going to ask about education because the Amish have an education barrier, whereas they're they're not allowed to go to high school. They have to leave school after the eighth grade. And not all Amish actually attend public school. A lot of them attend Amish school, which is where they receive even less of an education. That's where I went. Because it's all faith-based teaching. I see. And I most see. of the books are published by their publisher, Pathway Publishers. Okay, so that's like intra-community publishing, is it? Yeah, like they're, yeah. Um, So one of the resources, well, with regard to education, Ruth Ellis Center has a strong relationship with Detroit Public Schools. And then we also have a relationship with Wayne County Public Schools. Um, and so there's, there is very much an emphasis on doing the best that we can to sort of help LGBTQ young people attain education to a level that they're able to self-sustain, right? And so getting beyond sort of uh, getting through to high school and completing it is incredibly important to a lot of uh, the young people and the services that we provide. So we are integrated in that way into Detroit and Wayne County public schools. So I was 20 years old and I didn't have a high school diploma. Would you have Mm -hmm. any resources available? We would definitely, um, we do have case managers So if that is a need that you identify and you say, hey, this is something that I would like to do, we do have a team that can support you towards that attainment. Absolutely. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we try our best to, you know, to meet everyone where they are. And really, it's about you telling us what you feel we can do for you. So honestly, the sky's the limit. Like if we don't have it, we can at least do our best to route you to, you know, those kinds of services and resources that are available and obviously cheering you on the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you also provide uh, counseling services. Is, is that correct? Yes, very much so. So I love that you brought that into this. So um you know, something that's really important to the center and identified by our young people some years ago as well was there is a barrier for, you know, LGBTQ young people from all backgrounds in terms of like health and wellness and behavior health or your mental health wellness is just as important as your physical health. So um, something that we have in our center, we actually do have an actual health and wellness center. So anything that you can get in like primary healthcare, you got the flu, you got a fever, um, you're like, I need gender affirming care. I'm not super um, comfortable in, in the mainstream sort of healthcare system. 
you need your hormones, you come to us. We take care of young people as young as four years old to adults as old as 30, full range of primary healthcare services. And you can literally, you know, take one stop and talk to like our amazing uh, pediatrician, Dr. Mo, or our nurse practitioner, Jen, or our nurse, Ollie, and you can make that transition literally through a door to see your therapist. And we've got an incredible behavioral health team that can help you with the physical and help you with the mental and emotional as well. It's a one-stop shop. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, it's just really important to I us. And those, both of those, yeah, yeah, both of those entities have an incredible working relationship also. So if there's something that the entire team can do to support you, that's how they're working. They're working together. They're not, you know, fighting with each other. It is a it is an understanding that um you are an entire person and both of these parts are essential parts of you, and we take care of them together. Yes. And That's those are amazing. Um, free services. <laughs> also. Yes. Those services. And they're are free. accessible to anybody in Michigan. Correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you can get to us. And, and I know sometimes that can be a barrier, sometimes transportation. Um, but since the pandemic, we've also been able to do um, telehealth services as well. So you're able to meet your therapist and or your provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner, your nurse online. That's amazing. Yeah. Because you can and serve I a lot point of out and I should mm -hmm. point out some Amish, including some Amish youth, do have iPhones. They have cell phones, smartphones. I mean, that's great to hear. You know, technology is here, and this is a Amen. battle that the Amish church has been losing. Like everybody needs a phone to function. In it's society. hard. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, it is very difficult. <laughs> yes. So hopefully, you know, this word gets out to them and they actually hear about this and they're able to receive some kind of support because that really would be nice. Even if it's like they they just are able to get to a therapist that is more affirming and supportive. It's so because important. That is super important. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And it, and it helps people embrace themselves for who they are. Yes. And just imagine how much you can grow when, when you love who you are. Yes. When you know and love who you are, like the sky's the limit. This is the truth. Yeah. And wishing that for everyone. <laughs> wishing everyone yeah, gets to totally, a point. That was totally the spirit of uh, Ruth Ellis was, you know, love everyone, uh -huh. love your neighbor as yourself and be that yep. neighbor. You know? yep. She was like a shade tree in Detroit that everyone came to for shelter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And everything that I found about the Ruth Ellis Center, I'm just like, wow, like this is so historical, like all about her, all of the center, like the resources that are provided, like it's incredible. Wow. And yeah, it's inspiring. We really yeah, yeah, no, seriously. Anytime I walk through the doors of my job, I'm just in awe. Um, you know, the pandemic has obviously made things sort of difficult. So we, you know, weren't able to see you know, our young people as much as we would like to, but like that energy really, really sustains us all. Like knowing like who we're there for, why we're doing the work. Um, because there are so many incredible, beautiful human beings who are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, there's such talent, 
you know, there's such love, there's such resilience. Um, and we're just wanting for everyone to live their best lives and be their best selves. And that's easy to do um, when you love yourself and you know that you're loved. Yep. And that there are people who work every day um, to ensure you're living a life full of, you know, sort of respect and dignity and love so that you can thrive. That's right. Yes. I have another question for you. Are you aware that like some older Amish communities and other communities, I lived in five different communities and they were all old, old order Amish communities. But are you okay. aware that like uh, my first language is not English? Is it German or Deutsch? It's not German. It's PA okay. Dutch. And it's not even Dutch. PA Dutch. Okay. It's a spoken only language. So there is okay. a language barrier as well when Amish people, like there can be a really big language barrier. Yeah. For me, I got really lucky. And one of the places that I encountered when I was trying to get my high school diploma, like they, they gave me some English as a second language classes. Okay. Is that something you guys help with too? That's, that is definitely a resource we would be able to route you towards because I do know that that exists within Detroit public schools, like English as a second language. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Um, because it really helped me. Wow. Okay. So I have to ask it's P so, cause I always, I like my understanding that it was like some, um, it was something like or something similar or related to German, but you called it, it seems that has like a no, specific it's, name. It's not German. I lived okay. in Germany for five years. Yeah. You so you would know. Dutch to them, they will not understand you. It's not Ooh, okay. German. Okay. It is a spoken only language. It is their own language and it is not German. Okay. Where does it, like, what's its origins? Do, are, do you know? I mean, I'm sure it got its origins from there, but like the, okay. the Amish have been in America for so long that like right. their language has evolved. I see. To like their own little thing. And it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. And then, okay. so here's the kicker. So like yeah. I learned PA Dutch. Yeah. And then when I went to school, then I learned English. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then after a couple of years, then I learned Hochdeutsch. To read and write in Hochdeutsch. But okay. some, like, there's not much of an emphasis placed on, like, education being important. So, like, some people can't even read or write Hochdeutsch. Okay. Or, or understand any of it. Like, they won't understand what they're reading. Okay. And then I think, hey, James, isn't there another dialect that they speak, like, Swiss German? Because there's... Oh yes, yeah. There's different. It's almost like it's almost like the language, like Mary said, it evolved, but yeah. it's also kind yeah, of yeah. regional. It's regional, um, okay. because like the the Amish that you know the various old order Amish that live in Indiana, like my father, uh, came from Bern, Indiana, um, mm -hmm. and that is a that is a Swiss Amish settlement. Um, so the language there is is different than you know other places so yeah there is a there is definitely a language barrier facing lgbtq amish youth I um, see. um english would definitely be their second language so it's, it is, it's really empowering to learn that the ruth ellis center would be able to help with that because that would yeah. definitely factor into their care package 
Yeah, yes. well, and that would definitely be a thing because I can't say like, I mean, it's definitely something to think about moving forward to see if we would have services of our own, but that is definitely something that would be shared with our, like our case managers that work there. Like, hey, we have some LGBTQ young people um, who have language barriers. These are the languages that they speak. How do we support them knowing that, you know, they have these additional barriers? But that is, I think that is so important, I think, for everyone to know that I'm not even sure how much outside of this community that that is known. So wow. I've, I've, yeah, that, because my even myself, like, having come up, like, I feel like not too far away. I mean, I was in the Poconos, so that's a good, you know, two hours right. or so from, from the community. Um, but when you're interfacing with those that you know are a part of that community, I mean, they often speak English. And so you assume that that is something, you know what I'm saying? You assume that uh -huh. that's, oh, that must be sort of de facto. We all live here. And it's like, yep. oh, no, yep. nope. there are different dialects. They are often yep. regionally specific so yep. that I mean so for all intents and purposes it sounds like you're not even not bilingual trilingual and you were in yep. Germany <laughs> so, yep. so maybe in four languages so that's yeah that's quite a bit to work through so kudos to you for being able to, to make that transition because it's not it's not at all easy. Even myself, I, I came up in a in a multilingual home and that is definitely a different experience. So yes. I applaud you very much so. Like you have done some incredible, incredible Bravo. work. Bravo, yes. Mary, bravo. Very much, very Why much. Why are you to shine the spotlight on me? That's I mean, because you deserve it. I'm going to do the Amish woman thing, okay, for one. So I'm going to do the Amish woman thing and I'll say, well, you know. Go sit down. Anyways, uh, let let me just um, talk about something else. Thank you, thank you, James. Thank you, Nazarena. Um, but let me talk about something else that crossed my mind too. Um, so, like when I left, I didn't have appropriate clothing to wear, mm -hmm. and people um, actually helped me. Um, find resources as far as like appropriate clothing to wear because mm -hmm. like I didn't yeah and then another barrier that I had is I didn't have a birth certificate I didn't exist on paper I didn't have a social security number like stuff like that like there's some pretty huge barriers if you try to leave your your Amish community yeah no that's understood um we actually, it's interesting that you began um, talking about the clothing because Ruth's house uh, or Ruth's, um, Ruth Ellis Center, we have something that we call Ruth's Closet. And so we have hundreds of incredibly supportive uh, donors who absolutely love us. And we are constantly receiving uh, donations of feminine clothing as well as masculine clothing. And we have yes. them at, yeah, so we have them at our main site. So our main site, our administrative office is at 97 Victor Street in Highland Park, Michigan. But we also have a um, our Center for Lesbian Queer Women and Girls, which also has 
has a clothing closet, which also takes um, feminine and masculine clothing. And that's at 135 Hazelwood Street in Detroit. And there are, there's so many clothes. I actually have a bunch in my trunk that I need to let go of as well. We have hundreds of donors <laughs> that are constantly giving the center clothing, kitchen items, sanitary products, almost anything you can think of um, is available for you in those clothing closets at both sites. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so appropriate clothing, but also affirming clothing is also available um, for those who seek that it. Um, yeah, Absolutely. so thank you so much for sharing that, Mary. Like that's really, really important. So yeah, affirming clothing as well as appropriate clothing we're all here for it and we have the resources available for that because of the incredible people that are so supportive of LGBTQ young people. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. This yeah. is pretty yeah. amazing. So, so what about like um like some Amish are like, you know, when they're born, they're delivered at home and they really yeah. do not they do not have a social security card or a birth certificate. They just don't have yeah. those things. So what? I would definitely, yeah, no, I'm definitely going to say again, this actually, I'm like, I really do need to be taking some serious notes. <laughs> well, you can always come back and rewatch it. Oh, true. <laughs> You're so great. Thank you for making it accessible. <laughs> You're so great. Um, yeah, no, because I definitely think that that is something. So we often have our young people who are entitled to benefits who may not have that information with them, depending on the kind of situation they how like how they departed from their homes. And so I am familiar that our um, case managers do assist with that as well. But I want to make sure now, because we're in the process of rebranding, we're building out our website. I want to make sure that we hit on all of these different points so that at some point, if we do have a lovely Anabaptist and or LGBTQ Amish person come to our doors, that we are in the best place possible um, to support their journey um, into this wonderful, loving life that they should know as an LGBTQ young person. So, and that is something that I would believe my case managers would assist with as well. But I want to be sure that, you know, if it's not something that we can help with on site, that it we make it as easy as possible for our young people to attain. Um, but that is under, well, now that you're telling me, that is understood. And thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm literally learning so much. I'm like you're two hours away from a community. You encounter this these you know different various diverse communities and different spaces. You think you know things. You guys are blowing my mind. I'm learning so much right now. So thank you so much for sharing. No, thank you. Like this is this is necessary. And when you talk about um, the diversity that exists within the LGBTQ community, like this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is just you know just one of the many many colors on the flags. One of the many colors. Absolutely, and like to go, mm -hmm. you know, some googling, googling. So this information may this this data may not be absolutely hundred percent, but. Mm -hmm. In 2018, the Michigan Amish population was estimated at 16,525 and it's closer to 20,000 today, maybe. Yeah. So if you crunch numbers and say 10% of that, the population is gay, that's yep. 2,000 at-risk uh, LGBTQ youth. Yeah. Or, young ad or adults, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, just knowing that there's resources out there and that people are, you know, interested in actually being able to serve this community. That's, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. 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 We Thank want so for, much. yes, of course you, you want for the next generation to live, you know, lives full of dignity and as fulfilled as possible. And it's because of, you know, pioneers like yourself really sort of striking the iron wilds hot and saying, you know, this is what's needed. Like this, these different things might not be known about our community, but this is what's needed so that we can thrive. And that's really important that you share and that you be open and that you have, um, that you're using a medium like this to get the word out there, um, you know, so that the next, you know, LGBTQ Amish young person you know, is, is living the life that they deserve to live, to be happy and comfortable with who they are. About three weeks ago, I attended an Amish abuse awareness conference and mm -hmm. some of the propaganda that they put out, they are literally telling LGBTQ Amish people that homosexuality is a sin and sending them to conversion therapy camps. And they have propaganda books that I can show you where they are actually putting names, contact numbers for conversion therapy camps. And I would really like to see our future generation of LGBTQ, Amish, and Anabaptists not go to conversion therapy. I would rather give them other resources. So I don't really see myself as a pioneer. I see myself as a person who feels like there is nothing else left to do. We have but to you have are. a conversation. No, you very much are. Because, there, you know, there are still people who are scared. You know, yes. they're scared to be open. They're scared to say there are people out there who will love you as you are. You know, it's right. it's, it's it's difficult to be outside of your community, you know, well, and, to, and to try to seek that out from what you are so familiar with. So right. what you're doing is incredibly, incredibly important. And also just a, another a manifestation of your self-love. Hmm. It's really great. Well, and yeah, I know it's, it's definitely not easy. 100% amazing. And Ruth Ellis would love you. She would yeah, have no, loved this you. Is, yeah, you're the sort of, um, you know, I've, I've been really lucky, you know, for some reason this Pride Month to just be engaging with all of these incredible human beings who very much embody who, what I know about Ruth Ellis, who she was, you wow. know. I gotta try and make people cry. That's not cool. <laughs> that's kind of rude you know you shouldn't do that we're being you know, recorded here crying, like it can just be so cathartic sometimes you know like you just <laughs> let it go I mean, but people think you're sad when you cry no i'm no. not sad no. i'm just i'm so happy this pride year because me and james james agreed to help me james has been my office assistant James has been a goddess Go in the James. office. James has been amazing, Go keeping James. me on track. Although he tries to hold me back, it gets annoying. Yeah, I try to <laughs> rein her in, but it doesn't really work very well. Never He's tell women what out. to do. <laughs> That's right, woman power. That's right. Uh, to, to any Amish men out there, just in general, don't tell Amish women what to do. Okay, just don't sit down. Just. Let her live her best life. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Works out better for you. But the mm -hmm. other thing is, is like, thank you for hearing us. 
Thank you for hearing yeah. us. Thank you for understanding like what we're trying to get to here mm-hmm. and, and the information we're trying to put out. And, and here's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing is that, you know, in most states, like there are centers for LGBTQ mm-hmm. people. It's not just yeah. Michigan. Because there are Amish all over the U.S., like especially yeah. Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania. Wow. There are local centers. And uh-huh. if you go Google like resources for LGBTQ people yeah. in that state, you should be able to find resources to help you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Michigan, you know, yes, the Ruth Ellis Center exists, but there's, you know, Affirmations, the Jim Toy Center, there's Neutral Zone, there's Outfront Kalamazoo. There are some incredible ones right in this state. Right. Mm-hmm. There's PFLAG in every state. There's Yes. And, and they are an incredible resource. Yes. Yep. There's, all, there's yep. also the Trevor Project. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. The Trevor Project. Thank you, James. Yes. Thank you, Nazarena. Seriously, I just want people to know that just because you don't live in Michigan doesn't mean you don't have access to resources. Yep. You have access to resources. And what I mean by resources is housing, assistance, getting out of a bad situation. If you're homeless, you have, there's assistance to be had, finding you a place to live. There's assistance for clothing, there's assistance for education, even therapy and medical care. Like if you need to see a doctor Mm -hmm. and you deserve those things. All of it and more. If you are an LGBTQ Amish or Anabaptist person and you're listening to this today, I would just like to say to you, you deserve to be free and you deserve to have a life where you are loved for who you are. And we celebrate you. We are celebrating you. We are lifting you and we are doing everything we can to make sure that you uh, have a safe and loving environment. Yep. Yep. That's what it's all about. So Um, I thought, um, Mary, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I I was going to ask for like final words and then if you have any final words, James. Uh, Yeah, I I would just love to say to, yeah, first to the LGBTQ uh, Amish Mennonite and Anabaptists out there, the plain people, um, you are loved. uh, We are supporting you. Um, Happy Pride. And know that we are all fighting for a better day. And so I will kick it over to you, Nazarena. You know, I I didn't know a lot about this community coming up. Um, and I'm just so happy that James reached out um, and shared. And James and Mary, I'm really looking forward to having you on Ruthella Center's podcast because I would love um, for it to get out to the larger community, the kinds of resources that the LGBTQ community um, and the Amish community could, you know, the sort of resources that they could utilize, you know, like we can put our resources together and really get the word out there um, so that if we ever do find ourselves in the good graces of anyone that's a part of the various 
various communities that have been named in terms of Amish, Mennonite, Anabaptist, um, that the young people are finding a place where they feel uplifted and loved and cared for. Um, so I'm going to take this opportunity to invite the two of you to come onto our podcast, Voices of REC, um, so we can do some learning as a community about this incredible community that you all are a part of and doing your best to facilitate um, resources um, to the young people as well. So I'm gonna take this opportunity to invite you to our podcast as well. Um, thank you obviously so much yeah, for inviting. Yes, of course. We would, oh no, we thank would love you. to have you. And it's it's such a great time that you're, you know, sort of sharing this with your community. It's pride. Um, and it's just, you know, it really shows the diversity that exists within the community. And so I think it's important that our listeners hear that as well. Um, and I just want to echo what James has shared, what Mary has shared. Um, all of you are just so deserving of, of love and being 100% of what you are. Um, and you are welcomed and you are celebrated. Um, and even for whatever reason, if you can't comfortably be out, you too are a part of this community and there is absolutely 100% a space for you. Thank you. Thank you yes. both. Yeah. Thank and you. On that note, we thought today we'd like to end our podcast and talk a moment about the shooting that happened in Florida and have a moment of silence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that when you really think about the shooting that happened in Florida, so many people lost their lives and for what? It was a senseless killing, mass murdering, and it's sad. And it's yeah. also...